0: The title for tonight's talk is The Imaginary Controller. Oftentimes, you may hear messages from myself or other teachers that you've been with. This kind of almost mantra-like message that's put out To be with what's happening, to be with what's happening, to allow the feelings that are there to be there, to be with the agitation, the fear, the happiness, the calmness, whatever it is, or to be compassionate towards yourself, kind, loving. And sometimes we hear these things as a way to become a better person, which sometimes can have its root in aversion that we feel towards ourselves. Something that, because we don't really like who we are, we want to become different. We want to become somebody who we can like. But then you hear these messages be with this, be with that. And then you find that you can't. You can't be with. You can't allow. You can't be accepting and more loving. And this can actually increase that aversion or this dislike one has towards oneself. It almost becomes validation that I'm not really a worthy person or an okay person because I can't do this. I can't be the way that the teachers are telling me to be. It can set up comparing. I'm like this, but I want to be like that. Or, I see how I am, and I see how somebody else is, and I want to be like they are. And it can keep this comparing, judging mind going. I remember the first time that I heard this phrase, be with what's happening. I remember it so clearly, because I had just moved to California, and I was in a a, a therapy group, and that was what they were talking about. It was about 12 years ago, and they kept saying, be with your feelings, be with your feelings. I remember getting so angry because I didn't know what they were talking about. And I remember in one group just saying, What do you mean? Be with your feelings. <laughs> it just didn't make any sense to me. And so it was a way of actually feeding more anger and irritation. Like, what's wrong with me that I don't get it? You know, everybody else seems to understand. <laughs> Why can't I be with my feelings? So sometimes it you know, it doesn't make any sense. We can't we, we, we try to understand what it means or do it and it, it, it can't. I can't. We see instead that we're often unaccepting and unallowing and afraid and unfocused. But that's also what's going on much of the time. But we think if I can just do it right. And a lot of times we don't even know what it is that we're trying to do right, what the it is. We just want to do it right. Maybe if I was present moment to moment, if I was allowing, if I was accepting of what is, if I was non judgmental, then I'd be fill in the blank, whatever you want to be happy, peaceful, calm. You know, It seems that the reference point for evaluating how I'm doing depends on how often I'm feeling happy and calm and peaceful. It's like that becomes the way we evaluate ourselves. Well, am I feeling the calmness now? Am I feeling happy? Well, if I'm not, then I have more I have to do. I have more work to do. In fact, if I'm not feeling a certain ease, then I'm probably not doing it right. Yet, the more I try to do something in a certain way, the more I try to be with it, the more I find myself tied up in knots. And the fear looms larger. The panic sets in. It's not working. It's not working. And here, here we go in the cycle again. For many people, the meditation practice, the meditation technique, sometimes is the lost hope. To be free of the pain and struggle. And I've seen this in, with a number of people that I've worked with. It's like they've tried everything, and the meditation's the last chance. When they, can, when they see that what they're doing isn't working, life seems to become more despairing. And then with the panic, a person can lose a sense of the process itself, the bigger picture, Lose a sense of the bigger picture of what's happening. And when this panic sets in and there's more despair, the person can think they're outside of the process. They're off the path. They've lost their way. And it's difficult at that point to get a sense that what's happening is the path, is the process, is the way. Like someone said to me today that the stuckness that I'm feeling is keeping me from my experience here. But what does that imply? That there's there's some other kind of experience that this person should be having than the actual stuckness that they're feeling. There's no interference with the experience here. The stuckness is the experience. (laughs) That is the unfolding. There is no outside of that. So right, right here with it, right here with what's happening, even if it's something we don't like very well. That is the process. Sometimes, even when the fear or the despair. Subsides and one feeling quite calm and balanced. I've also experienced people feeling a certain anticipation about this because it's almost like, well, now I'm feeling happy. <laughs> I must be doing something right. <laughs> How am I going to keep this now? You know, and then then a certain restlessness sets in. <laughs> uh oh, now what? <laughs> I'm calm. you know there's almost like a hesitation (laughs) uh oh I must have turned the right switch (laughs) it's like we don't trust the calm we don't trust the happiness when it comes We think that, now I must be doing something right, so I must find a way to hold on, or I'll be doing something wrong. And then we sort of get caught up in that duality again, the right and the wrong, the good and the bad. Go back and forth. And then the self, the ego, the controller, gets all wrapped up in in what's happening. It wants to control it. Hold on, not hold on. Let go, not let go. Like the self, that ego, the, the imaginary controller just comes right into play. Oh, what do I do? Now I'm happy. Now I'm calm. It's almost like sometimes people don't want to talk about it in interviews because they're afraid if they actually talked about how happy they were that the fear would come back. difficult to see how this imaginary ego or controller, it's the same thing, ego, controller, self, I, it's difficult to see how the ego is wrapped up in the controlling. It's sometimes difficult to see this. controlling what will happen and what won't happen. It's like the I, the ego, takes responsibility for everything that's happening. The self becomes the controller. If only I can get it right, if only I could be with it, if only I could face it, if only I could figure out how to let go, if only I could understand, I'd be happy. This I the I displays, if I could be less spaced out, I'd be more focused. You know, the I, just the eye keeps trying to figure out what the game plan is. And in this, the I keeps taking responsibility for what's going on. And the controlling self just keeps getting bigger, and bigger, and bigger, and believed in and then we start feeling smaller and smaller and more insecure. And we can't understand why. And yet it seems that what's fairly persistent is that people are more concerned about having these experiences of being peaceful and calm and happy than they are of finding out who is this controller. How does this controller come about? What is this? What is this play that seems to want to control everything? So we can take a moment and look at this controller, how this controller comes to be. Is it not that there is a false identification with the I-thought? Just an I-thought. I want to do this. I don't want to do that. I am the controller. Just an identification with the I-thought. We think, I am the body. I am the mind. I am the senses, and there's a belief in that I-thought. And the belief in this I-thought keeps us from seeing the true I, the true reality, who I really am. If I'm not this I-thought, who am I? What's there? What's really going on? We believe in this I, this ego, this self. But when you really look for it, which is what we're doing, when you really look for it, look to see what's going on. Where is it? It vanishes like a ghost. If you turn and look for it, where is it? Where is this ego? Where is this I? Where is this self? Ramana Maharshi, is a great sage in India, he told a story. He said, at night a person may imagine that there is a ghost by his side because of the play of shadows. If he looks closely, he discovers that the ghost was merely a tree or a post. If she or he does not look closely, the ghost may terrify the person. All that is required is to look closely and the ghost vanishes. The ghost was never there. So also with the ego, as long as one does not look closely at it, it continues to give trouble. But when one looks for it, it is found not to exist. Do you believe it? (laughs) So we create this environment here. We create an environment to look for this ego, look at what's really going on. We stop and we take a look. And we, we, the teachers, give pointers and give clues. But it seems that what is said is often interpreted as a reinforcement of this controller, of this doer. Like somebody said today, that she interprets what's said here as more doing. Hard, it's hard to hear the messages here, is not to try to do more, not to try to control more. And I have personally reflected on this a lot in my years of meditation, and I have attempted to create an, an environment here, both through um, the schedule of the day and also by what I say, as giving such little emphasis to doing. <laughs> You know, there, as much as possible trying to clear out any confused messages about what you have to do here. And yet, it still seems like we're supposed to do something here. Say, we're here. <laughs> so there's a real paradox, isn't there? It's a real paradox. How to do without doing. We create an artificial environment here of this schedule, of this walking and sitting and being silent and all the things we do together. And and in a subtle way, many people believe that something might happen here that's going to change their life in a way that nothing else will. You know, that that something will occur that I'll be a better person after this retreat, or I'll be more compassionate, or I'll feel more ease, or I'll be happier, or I'll be less identified with the comings and goings. Yet, nothing significant is going to happen here. Nothing is any more or less important than anything else. If there's anything that can be labeled significant, it's really hearing this. (laughs) Hearing it in a way that in every cell of your body that there's really nothing you have to do. But even doing nothing can seem like more doing. So it seems like we're right back in it. We say by letting yourselves be, by not trying to make your experience any different, no matter what's happening, we say that this is really the kindness, the gentleness, the compassion. That you're looking for, that this this way of letting yourself be natural and ordinary and simple, that this will allow for the intelligence to reveal itself, but in the same way, you know, we hear this and then the ego says loudly, well I can't let myself be. I do try to make the agitation go away. I do run away from the fear. I can't accept the lack of clarity. And then in that moment we forget that this is just the controlling self, the imaginary ego. We can't hear this is just the ego, an I-thought, just another I-thought arising and passing. But we seem to hear this sometimes is the voice of wisdom. Well, I can't do it. Somehow we buy into it. Is it possible to just be the compassionate observer? That compassionate observer that says, even this is just what's happening. Just the thought just a feeling, just a thought that masquerades as ego, just a feeling that masquerades as ego, just the compassionate observer. Maybe sometimes that compassionate observer is there and it does see in a more detached way. You can get a sense of the impersonal nature of things. There's more spaciousness around what's happening. You can see things coming and going, moment to moment. There's really that sense of nobody behind it, just an ongoing, empty, impersonal process. You can see that this is not my anger. This is just a wave of anger coming. And there's that compassionate observer of the process. And other times, it seems like there's complete identification with this controlling mind, with the doer, with the self, with the ego. There's no spaciousness. I am angry, I am stuck, I don't like this pain, I don't like what's going on, I want to get out of here. Completely caught up. And yet, here's another paradox. Can I bring the compassionate observer into action? Isn't that just the ego attempting to control through its wants and desires again? Can I make it happen? So then what is there to do? <laughs> Tony Packer, who's a... She was a Zen roshi who then changed. She got very involved with Krishnamurti and stopped um, the very strict Zen way of doing things. She says that, Change comes on its own when the self realizes its total impotence. (laughs) Then it may quiet down in this realization. It is the self that wants to save itself. When the self is quiet in silent understanding, something wholly new is taking place. Maybe for the self to see its impotence, its helplessness, its inability to make anything happen the way it wants to, maybe we need to keep trying everything we can to get out of the confusion, the fear, the pain, until we just give up the struggle, (laughs) until we just see the futility in all of our attempts, that what we're really doing all, with all that struggle, is just digging a deeper and deeper hole for ourselves. Until we just give in to our utter vulnerability. Our helplessness. And we are vulnerable. We're very vulnerable creatures. Our existence is marked with insecurity. Insecurity and vulnerability are there because we have no control over anything. We never know what's going to happen next. Everything changes, slips away. We don't know what's happening or why. It all doesn't make sense anymore. You thought that you were a very loving person and all this anger and judgment comes up. You go, oh, I never thought I was so angry. You thought it would be impossible to be quiet and silent for five days, and you find out you're absolutely loving the silence. You thought that you'd think about your children the whole time you were here, but you haven't even given them one thought. (laughs) You feel such relief to be (laughs) away. And then you start feeling some guilt because it all doesn't make any sense. Everything seems out of control. We want to quiet the mind, but it just gets noisier. We want the pain to go away, but it won't. We want to feel happy, but we feel angry most of the time. We want a blissful experience to stay, but it goes away. can't really seem to make anything stay, in, stay the way we want it to be. The more I try to be the way I want to be, to have things go the way I want, the stronger the ego gets, and the more tangled up I seem to get. So what is there to do? That's really the question of the evening. (laughs) What is there to do? Again, Tony says, the self realizes the change comes on its own when the self realizes its total impotence. Something's going on quite beyond our control, beyond ego's control. And the more that we can actually feel this feeling come through, get a sense of what's really going on, The more this self loses its power, the ego loses its power. The I loses its power to take responsibility for everything. And the struggle is let go of naturally, spontaneously. I can't let go. Letting go is a byproduct of wisdom, of clear seeing. Letting go happens naturally, spontaneously. And in that letting go is the kindness, the gentleness, the compassion we're seeking. And what remains is the faith. Just faith. Faith in this great mystery of things. i like to end with a poem. I have this wonderful book called The Enlightened Heart. It's poems that people wrote from an enlightened state. This one's from Lao Tzu, a great Chinese Taoist master from 500 BC. And he writes about the Tao the Tao is his word for the great mystery of things. And he says that every being in the universe is an expression of the Tao. It springs into existence, unconscious, perfect, free, takes on a physical body, lets circumstances complete it. That is why every being spontaneously honors the Tao. The Tao gives birth to all beings, nourishes them, maintains them, cares for them, comforts them, protects them, takes them back to itself, creating without possessing, acting without expecting, guiding without interfering. That is why love of the Tao is in the very nature of things.